I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook. So I think there's a big learning there, particularly when we're talking about mental model of self-care. But if you want to stay in the workplace, and particularly if I was nursing, that would look very different if I was in that clinical space. It's making sure that you can continue. You might need to take a break, but how do you come back? How do you show up again? And what does that look like? Welcome to The Happy Nurse, the podcast that encourages nurses to offer themselves the same compassion that they so freely give to others. I am Elena, a registered nurse on a mission to reduce burnout in nursing. Let's jump in. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of The Happy Nurse podcast. Today I am joined by Nicola Browning. Nicola is a registered nurse and she has had a very successful career both here in Australia and in the UK. She moved to Australia in 2004 and has worked with the WA Public, Private and Community Health Services as a clinical nurse specialist, registered nurse project officer, service development manager and a quality and governance manager. Before she moved to Australia, in the UK, she worked in critical care, neurosciences, traumatic and acquired brain injury, rehab, paediatrics, cardiothoracics, and she worked in varied and diverse specialties in the public and the private hospitals over there. Nicola has had the privilege of working in both clinical, non-clinical and corporate roles and teams, coordinating many diverse projects across public health, ambulatory care, aged care, disability, organ and tissue donation, youth mental health with a focus on service and programme development, products, quality, service review and improvement. She's worked with innovation of systems, policy, audit and accreditation. Wow. Welcome to the show, Nicola. (laughs) Thank you. It's lovely to be here, Elena. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. You've got such a massive depth of experience and knowledge in nursing. I've been excited to have you on the show to share your wisdom with all my listeners. (laughs) Well, thanks. You know, when you hear that kind of, yeah, that list and you look back, you go, yeah, it has been a long career, I guess. Makes me feel old and Liam calls me seasoned. I quite like that. So hopefully it does make me a little wise. (laughs) I like that too. I'm calling you the wise woman, definitely. The wise old owl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you, um, like, you've got had that huge career and all that experience, and throw into that emigrating to the other side of the world. Yeah, and you've got three beautiful children as well. I have, I have, and obviously those are the things you're proud of too. You know, but yeah, big life changing decisions back in 2004. We moved with them, um, two children at the time, two suitcases, and yeah, just took a sea change, and um, now we have three children. <laughs> Or young adults, as I'm supposed to say. <laughs> and yeah, Perth's been our home for 18 years this month. So it's amazing. And we love it. It's a great quality of life. So yeah, we're lucky to be here by the sea, as we say. Yeah, I know. I compare the childhood I had to the childhood my children are having. And it's like comparing chalk and cheese, isn't it? You can't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the outdoors. And I think when we first got here, it was just realizing, you know, you can do so much for free, you know, and there's nothing that you have to think about, you know, planning or doing each day, you can just get up and head to the river, head to the beach, head to the parks, you know, there's so many lovely communities and so many places to see. So we still like being tourists when family come to stay and you know, explore new places and especially getting up north and going down south, getting that coastal kind of experience. We love a family adventure and, you know, definitely going further, further away now. And yeah, now where borders are open in WA, then we can explore a few more states, hopefully over the years to come and, 
yeah, maybe get back to the UK to see family. Yeah, that's all. It's been an interesting few years. <laughs> it sure has. High on my wish list right now is to get back and see my dad in Scotland. I'm hoping to to head back there later this year if I can. Yeah, I think that would be wonderful. I think that's been the hardest part of the last few years. It's actually not missing a place. It's missing the people that, you know, and your loved ones, people you're close to and, you know, children grow up so quickly and, you know, things change. So, yeah, it's like you. I'm not sure if we will go there or they will come here, but they want to come for the sunshine. So, yeah. And that's understandable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, rather than us go for the snow in the winter. But, yeah. We'll do it one way or another, won't we? And those long haul flights that they're talking about, you know, get on the plane and we don't have to get off one day. That would be nice. I know. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. It's going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> no. Let's not talk about Absolutely. flying. Yeah. I think we're, yeah. No. I'll pull us back out of that rabbit hole. So. Yeah, you do. You have had this amazing career and you are currently volunteering you're doing a lot of volunteering work aren't you yeah I am I guess you know you've certainly been someone who introduced me to burnout you know what that looked like and you know sharing your lived experience and that's really what happened to me you know about 18 months probably back and I eventually after a year of really trying to you know keep going I realized I had to take a break so my volunteering has been amazing but it really came out of a life-changing experience for our daughter Beth who you know and you've had kindly on your podcast and she had a stroke at 19 so my career had been neuroscience, but we found ourselves on the other side of that hospital experience. And she recovered well, but that whole experience opened our eyes to what lived experience looked like, how you could help maybe bring about positive change. And we got involved with the Stroke Foundation's Young Stroke Project, which is co-design, which means that we pretty much are a working group of people with all different lived experience. Beth asked me to come along and join her on, on the journey. And obviously she's the strokes of iron, the journey and the story is hers. However, being a parent, carer, support person, it was about bringing those perspectives to the working group to see how we could bring about that change. So what's happened is the Stroke Foundation were funded by the NDIA um, for a three-year project. And we have been meeting, yeah, since pretty much, I think it was only about six months after Beth's stroke with the working group members. And I've joined the steering committee and put my hand up for a few other things. And it's about all of us coming together to look at where the gaps were, you know, what resources didn't we have, what services maybe didn't we have, what were our experiences, what could we do better? And so the last really two and a half years have been building some of those resources. There's a lot of common thinking from people with lived experience all around Australia about, you know, how the recovery journey looks for people. There's a huge need within the community for peer support. Beth felt that too, not being able to speak to someone else who'd really had a stroke at such a young age. What would life look like afterwards? You know, and was it going to be a hopeful, you know, outcome or, you know, what was she going to be facing on that journey? So it's been great. We've we've done things we never imagined we would do and it's all to help others. So being involved in things like raising awareness of stroke and young stroke, which is what the Young Stroke Project is about, and doing things like radio interviews, sharing your story, which is a huge step to take, particularly as a 19-year-old. And Beth took me on that journey, gave me a lot of confidence to use our voice to, yeah, raise awareness and share our story. And hopefully, in, you know, we'd be helping others So podcasts was the first one as well, going and doing some podcasts and talking about what life has looked like sort of as stroke happened. You know, what did your life look like before? Why did you have a stroke? Was it preventable? Was it not preventable? Um, What was your recovery like? What have your challenges been? What have your barriers been? But I think also those stories of hope and positive outcomes and getting back to life and life after stroke. So that's pretty much that, I guess it's that care continuum that we talk about in nursing, you know, at every touch point, what works for people. And it's people with lived experience sharing with others, you know, what worked for them, which is, 
hugely powerful and resources and information. There was a big one, particularly for us, that most of the information just didn't resonate with young people. A lot of stroke is considered to be more an older person, but we know, having worked in those fields, it can affect babies, children, young people, people of our age and beyond. So it's it doesn't discriminate like a lot of disease and ill health. So yeah, it's it's a big way to kind of throw what volunteering has looked like for us. And but I've loved it because it's given during my burnout recovery, it's given me a purpose and giving back and learning to pace life differently. And I think it's that knowledge of you know co-design. So what did co-design look like? So it's been lovely to feel supported by a community while you're going through the recovery, but then hopefully you're making an impact and giving back to others at the same time. And yeah, we've we've done lots of other things, which I hope I can touch on with you. That peer support and community support has helped us all as a family, you know, because a life-changing situation like that affects all your loved ones who are supporting you on that journey. So yeah, that's what volunteering's look like for me. <laughs> and what a beautiful journey it is for you. You know, I, as you said, I've had Beth on the podcast, and what, yeah. I think it was last year, maybe even the year before. Yeah. What an incredible young woman she is. She's just finished her studies and she's secured herself a grad program. So She has. And I think it is that celebrating and, you know, the people that you meet along the way, you know, on this volunteering journey. Everyone else is your cheer squad and they're celebrating you as well because one day hopefully your story might make someone else believe that anything's possible too. Yeah, so she was a student when you interviewed her and, yeah, it's a lifelong learning, you know, that you go through. Most definitely. Yeah, it's been excellent to go and give back. Not what I imagine this time would be like, but I guess that's where I can touch on the burnout. I think, you know, I now have gone on that journey of, okay, I had experienced burnout in my career of 33 years working in critical care and, you know, juggling life and work. And I don't think I was from a generation of nursing professionals that really self-care, you know, taking time for yourself was really an area that was touched on. There was a lot relating to stress, but the word burnout was also quite new for me. And so when I read and connected with people like yourself and Athol and Han, it was helpful for me to hear other people's experience because you all put words to things that I was like, wow, this is what I'm experiencing. And then finding my own language and way to explain what was actually happening for me. And that had come from a life-changing situation with Beth, obviously having her stroke. I was working at the time, busy mum, you know, doing life as we do, wearing lots of hats. And I was on that treadmill, which I've talked about quite often, of you just don't stop and you're in survival mode. Things are quite traumatic at the time and holding down a job and then COVID happened. So there was lots of different things that were uncertain, stressful, traumatic, and we're copers, <laughs> I think as well. So you think that you've got this, but then I got that real physical and emotional decline where I started to see impact my health and I realized, hang on a minute, there is something really not right here. So it was me being a bit more self-aware to say, I know I've been here before. And we had loss in the family and a bereavement. And you realise as carers that, you know, you care every day when you go to work, you know, but you care for your family, you care for people in your community, you care for your loved ones, and something has to give. So I don't think as a student nurse and as a seasoned nurse, I'd actually really made it an important part of my career to look after myself. And I think it did catch up with me. And now I want to raise awareness, I guess. And it's that power of lived experience where this happened to me, but these are the things that I did to recover. So it's now about, okay, I've gone through that period of recovery. So now what does life look like? And then what did I do to you know, flip that on its head. So it's been a really great year of while I've been volunteering, I have been recovering and I have been learning, yeah, new ways to live a good and balanced and healthy life that hopefully I can share with others as well. Yeah, as you say, 
peer support and lived experience is so powerful. And that's something I've learned since I launched the podcast. You know, lots of people resonate with my story. And you speak about Athol. Athol's an awesome guy. And I remember him and I having a chat way back in the early days of the podcast. And we both shared our burnout journeys. And there was a lot of, a lot of positive feedback from that because I think people suddenly think oh my goodness this is me they don't realize that they're yes in burnout yeah but when you start sharing your story and it starts resonating with other people yeah they are like wait a minute there's a red flag here this is some of the stuff that I'm experiencing and it it then incentivizes them to go exploring and yeah. seeking any help that they may need you know yeah and it's true and your podcasts were you know, a couple, and Liam as well, you know, so all of these people I know you share, you know, and support and collaborate, you know, with everyone's work, but you, all of your stories, there were elements of everything in each of your stories that then gave me the words that I didn't have for myself. And I've shared that with Liam, you know, and then we connected and we talked and you and I did and Liam did. And it made me not feel so lost because I had this identity as well. And it's a real identity I've had since I was nine years old. I wanted to be a nurse. But then, like you said, in my career, I've done all these diverse roles. And I think each 10 years, I talk about this as your sort of career develops and you take opportunities. You sometimes have disconnected or become disaligned with what was your vision for yourself in that career and what was your true purpose and your values. And I think I had got to that point where there'd been lots of change and I'd embraced every opportunity and been so lucky and I've been so grateful but somewhere along the way I got to nearly 50 and I went but what am I going to do for this next chapter you know where are my passions now because I've got this identity as a nurse yet I wasn't bedside nursing so it's all those non-clinical roles and then I'd had this lovely privileged you know position where I could be flexible raise my family and so I think what started to happen is that compassion fatigue that we talk about. Um, But it wasn't, it was maybe self-compassion. I was really worn out with trying to say to myself, yeah, I really feel like I'm making a difference every day. But it wasn't at all this person that took me to nursing in the first place. And so it was this last sort of year has been really finding myself again. Who's Nicola? You know, that authentic part of me that you know, okay, all of this wonderful career, then there's all these personal journeys and life experiences within health. And every time I chose another chapter, I've always chosen the next part of my career because maybe something had happened in my personal life. So for example, going into nursing, my grandmother had a a traumatic brain injury. So I got completely passionate about that space. You know, then I look at now and the decisions I've made in the past, I'm still making now. So, you know, stroke and young stroke, that's happened to Beth. So there's this huge passion and drive and curiosity that I have that I want to learn about that space again and see where I can help. What might that look like for your career or work or giving back and volunteering? So, yeah, I think there's Nurse Nicola always here. But then now I'm at this new beginning and this new part of life after burnout. And then what will that look like? So I don't repeat those behaviors and I actually put into play those new habits and mindsets and behaviors you know it's all those coaching terms and that's how it's got me to this point I think which is what I love about talking to people like yourself because there's a couple of things I needed to do I did the burnout and more course with Athel because I needed to explore what had just been happening and I wanted to know you know how I could really change that up for myself and make sure it wasn't going to happen again and and grow in that knowledge and understanding. And so I really understand myself better than I ever have. But go on a journey where you have that peer support. You've got a community where you meet with like-minded people and you share and bounce off each other. So lots of journaling and reflection, which I've just loved because I was always a thinker, lots in my mind, but didn't always take the time to put pen to paper. And it's been the best thing I've done. So, you know, and and actually writing, you know, those goals and, you know, those aspirations. And it's been great because I've started to look back now over the last year for both the burnout course and then other things that I've done. 
And I've gone, wow, I've got all these tools now that I didn't have before. And some of that is from a podcast, talking to people like yourself and that shared wisdom that you go, wow, I've learned so much. And it's from people. You know, it's not always the books or the research. You read that and you need it to understand that you're not alone. You're not the only one. There's nothing wrong with you. And then obviously professional support, seeking counselling and support. I would always say definitely know when your limit is there that you can't do it alone because, you know, it's quite normal not to be able to do it alone. And sometimes it's not always wise to do it alone. So, yeah, it's been really, really good. And then there's that last sort of um, component that I've just done over the last really eight weeks where I've really looked at my health, wellness, nutrition and my body, you know, I've worked on mind, <laughs> the internal stuff. It's sort of now more the, yeah, that being well for life, because I realized that kind of health check that came in, how burnout really impacted me, you know, physically, as well as emotionally. My immune system was all over the place. So yeah, it's been really good. I've been eating well, things like sleeping better, nutrition, huge one that I really haven't educated myself about really what I should have been doing. You know bits, but it's putting it all together to make that change happen. And then that positive mindset. So a lot of similar things to the burnout course and that kind of coaching and support and a community coming together, having a bit of a cheer squad. And I've kicked some goals again. So it's really nice to sort of go, oh, you know, you all find what works for you, I think, don't you as well? Not everything will work for the same person, which is why I love seeing all of you nursepreneur you know, amazing leaders out there saying, well, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. But you can find a variety of things. So different people need different things, I think, and things will resonate with them differently. But yeah, I think, and self-care now really means something to me. What does that look like? So Yeah. And I love all the things that you've done. And I've tapped into obviously lots of different things and listening to your wonderful meditations. And, you know, it's a new learning, but it's about, I think, being active, movement, mindfulness, meditation, and self-care is so many things because it's also having time to read and explore and be curious and learn. I need that as well. You know, so I think that is self-care for me because if my mind isn't curious and I'm not learning, then I really miss something, you know, that hunger for learning. That's why you're summing up beautifully why I created the model, because, (laughs) you know, a lot of people, they believe self-care is that indulgent aspect, as I call it. You know, it's the spa, it's the hair, the nails, the going out to a restaurant for dinner. Yeah. But it's only one part. There's so much more to it. It is. And that's why I added in the other four components, you know, and you've just summed that up beautifully in what you've just said. So (laughs) thanks. (laughs) It was good because when you sort of ask those questions and I've explored your models so many times before and really sort of engrossed myself in that learning. But you made me think about it because I was like, okay, so the mental side. Yes, it was things like mindfulness, but I play classical guitar and I hadn't picked my guitar up in ages. You know, so music is a big part, whether that's dancing around the house, doing the cleaning, you know, (laughs) singing out loud. You know, it's all those things that make you feel, you know, alive, you know, and life's good and a bit of joy and silliness and laughter, you know. But then at the same time, I enjoy my meditation and I'll find time now to you know, every night it's religious because it helps me sleep and relax and unwind and stop my busy mind. So there's those things that are absolutely, you know, there. But I also love new things and doing new things, you know, whatever that might look like. I'm keen to do a pottery class, actually. That's my next one. Well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, or it might not be when you see the disastrous pot. It takes me back to school and I think, Oh, those are all those pots that when you make them at school for your parents and they gladly put them on a shelf, but years later, you're not quite sure where they went. (laughs) It looks fun, though, with that squeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. I've got a ghost scene in my head. Let's not go there. Oh, yeah, funny. Oh, my goodness. But I think, you know, the volunteering as well has helped me go slow because I've had a real nice structured time and I didn't want to leave my role after burnout. I really... I think I did that 
quite quickly and just chose to walk away. And there's a lot about the great resignation or whatever you want to call it. But I think there were so many components at that time for me that weren't just in the workplace. People talk about work being, you know, a systems or, you know, in the workplace. It's many, many things. And I really wanted to stay private and I closed off and I protected myself and wanted to go and fix it myself because that was right for me. But I guess one of the things that I would do is always find a trusted person in your workplace if you think that, you know, for a start, you can't walk away from work, you know, financially, you know, so seeking that support. And I probably didn't delve into the options for that for me enough because it had gone too far. I had become quite unwell and really taking a break was the best thing for me and my family. So I think there's a big learning there, particularly when we're talking about mental model of self-care. But if you want to stay in the workplace, and particularly if I was nursing, that would have looked very different if I was in that clinical space. It's making sure that you can continue. You might need to take a break, but how do you come back? How do you show up again? And what does that look like? Yeah, exactly. It's There are employee assistance programs available. That's right. Yeah. For people who feel like they may be struggling and also your GPs are really good resource as well and since COVID definitely they've upped it from 10 sessions to 20 sessions with a psychologist through a mental health care plan so yeah that's another good port of call if you definitely feel like you can't walk away from your role yeah I mean I got an appointment this afternoon with the student psychology service at uni because fantastic yeah I feel like I'm I'm drowning in assignments right now. And I'm like, whoa, whoa I need to speak to someone. So yeah. I called this morning and I'm going to have a, a telehealth appointment with them today. You know, I go seeking this help too, even though I know what I know, because I understand how important it is yeah. to speak to someone about it and to not internalize it. And I think it's an awareness. It's letting young people who are students, you know, especially raising awareness around anything to help seeking behavior. It's really, really important. And I think, yeah, like you said, and also, you know, we didn't have nurse and midwife support when, you know, we didn't have a phone line. And I now make sure that like my daughter knows and the next generation just know that even if it's you've had a really tough day and, you know, you maybe haven't got that trusted person at work that you want to, you know, really, if it's not clinical supervision, then where else can you just talk through something that might be more personal, you know, and I think that confidential phone line is awesome because it's not always ideal in the workplace and I think that yeah the more people that know that they're available to call is really important but also use your clinical supervision and you know your line managers to be honest say when you need a break or if you're needing some guidance or support if you don't have the answers you know because it's what you can do inside of work but also then of course what you need to do outside of work and my GP was wonderful so you know it was great to be able to have that continuity with someone but yeah, and, and I mean, but the emotional side is, is also and the stigma around that. I didn't really open up and I've really only spoken about my burnout in a podcast that I did with Shannon not long ago, really being honest about what really has been happening for Nicola and my gap year, because I've got to speak to people and they have no idea. And people have reached out since I've shared it because I wanted to be brave and just go, do you know what, even if one person hears this and something resonates, then that's going to be hopefully helping them and I have calls from people going I had no idea I'm so sorry and I said don't be sorry (laughs) I had support and I did have people there and you know there's some things that you don't need to share you don't overshare but you find people to connect with but it's over time so now there's times where I will share a little or you know explain more because I can put words to it but at the beginning I couldn't now I can explain But that connection with people is really important. But I did withdraw and go into my little bubble. And I think when things get tough, even at work, that's what I've done. And I come home to my husband, who's really supportive, you know, and there will be friends that, you know, I will talk to. And my family and my children needed to know what was going on with mum. So I've shared a little bit with them so they understand what does stress look like? What does, you know, this look like if you don't take care of yourself? And what are some of the things that are important to do? It is okay to slow down. It is okay to say things aren't right for you and make a change. You know, no one should feel trapped. So those are important lessons I think I'd want to, you know, share with my children as well and say, you know, but if you need to talk or bounce off someone or you've got a friend that's struggling, 
it's normalizing that having a conversation with someone and then they see me exercising and getting out more and eating well and they're going oh we probably quite like this non-grumpy version of mum <laughs> you know because we're not perfect and we don't always show up in the best way um, for our kids but they understand why and what was happening and we've all had those moments so it's okay to normalize that chat with them I think. Definitely. And I think it's important as well for them to know that you're not perfect, you know, and we, yeah. no one's perfect. Yeah. And, you know, when I have those moments with my kids and I, I'm not the best version of myself or I think I'm not, I always go to them afterwards and apologise. And I think that's a big part of it, too, is that yeah. knowing that it's OK to go and say, you know, I'm really sorry. I probably wasn't being the best version of myself there. And I found my boys have started coming to me and seeing it now when they have moments too. And I'm like, oh, this. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. yeah. It's a great skill, I think, to instill in them at such a young age. So Yeah, and well, having two girls and then having a son, you know, I'm learning about, you know, raising, you know, young men and what that looks like. I love Maggie Dent and I've got lots of different books and, yeah. you know, those whole parenting journeys, you know, that's what I was saying about curious and wanting to learn. You know, there's a lot that I say to them, you know, kids don't come with a manual. I hope we're getting some of these things right. But parenting is, yeah, it's challenging. And, you know, watching teens go through their years and having worked in youth mental health, I think that was the other part of, you know, working in that space and lived experience. I think, Helena, when we were chatting about it earlier, I saw so many young people and their families sharing their lived experience and the, the power and also the healing that that gave them to yeah make a difference you know because they didn't want other people to not have the help that you know they were getting and how to seek help when to seek help and normalizing some of those conversations and they definitely I think made me vulnerable enough to say yeah actually um, things aren't going quite so well because I think well if they can do it and they've been through some tough times and things that I you know hadn't comprehended when I was in my teens so I think yeah there's a lot of amazing people out there doing some wonderful things and it's important we listen to their stories and their life stories because it teaches us a lot. It's that power of that me too movement isn't it it's like yeah knowing you're not alone and it's something that I love when I deliver workshops you know yeah within the first 10-20 minutes you see all these kind of light bulbs going on above people's heads when they're like, yeah. oh my goodness, it's not just me that's feeling like this, you know? And the, yeah. it's that kind of, you create that container for them to feel safe to actually yeah. go there and explore how they're feeling and feel like they're being listened to. Yeah, you're being heard. And I agree, safe. I think that's, I didn't feel safe at times or psychologically safe and trusting of others there's a huge and maybe that was my generation as well that privacy of how was I going to share in that workspace I come from a different generation where you know you're professional and you know there's things that you share and things that you keep to yourself and I think I've come from a private family and you know there were boundaries around I guess how we would share so that made it a challenge for me in the workplace. And also because there's work gossip and, you know, privacy and confidentiality. And with the best will in the world, people are human. <laughs> and so I really didn't want my business to be everyone's business. And I think, you know, that's no one's fault. That was possibly my perception. So I think it's what's the reality and what's the perception. And when you really are so burnt out, you just don't have the capacity, I think, to see some things, you know, the way that they are. And you do start to over-worry. And I became over-anxious and concerned. So all of those were signs as well that the worrying mind can really, yeah, maybe not help you make the best decisions that maybe at the time you could have made. So, yeah, I think big learning there. And that's what I tell others, really. It's, yeah, making sure that you really you're clear on what help is around for you and how you can seek it and um, to be supported, you know, to get yourself better and back to work and doing the wonderful things that you're doing, which is the main thing. Exactly. Earlier, you mentioned the power of journaling and how you've enjoyed journaling. Did that help you to explore your thoughts and how you were feeling without the fear of judgment of what others think you know you were just saying about how you come from that family for your 
you were quite reserved and, you know, you didn't overshare with people. So did you find the journaling helpful in that respect? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm always a chatter and communicator and love people. And so I don't think I'd ever really sat down in any sort of structured or routine way to journal. We'd done reflective practice, obviously, but that was all very much the professional side, not the personal. So I was thinking, well, I'm so passionate about reflective practice. Why on earth wouldn't I be doing, you know, reflection, but from that personal, yeah, aspect. So when I did the Burnout No More course, there was, you know, that section on journaling. So I journaled all the way through that course. And that was a huge part of my recovery from burnout and really understanding, you know, that the modules are amazing. So, I mean, it's sort of understanding where you've been, you know, the decisions you've made in the past, really, yeah, looking back at myself to, understand how it actually got to the place that you know I was at from burnout you know whether that was you know this constant I think you know proving myself I lacked a lot of confidence at school you know I was bullied you know there were different things that you know why was I always really trying to you know be better you know that learning and improving myself so you know and that went on within my nursing career I look back now and think wow you know even bullying in the workplace you know from managers and you know I had some pretty difficult situations throughout my nursing career and then we would debrief so when I was on intensive care particularly if we had a critical incident and so debriefing was used a lot, particularly after, you know, really traumatic resource situations. So that was my first, I think, experience of actually really digging deep into the emotions that came with that. And we had some amazing clinical leads, you know, on those units that I worked on. So they taught me those good tools. And I think probably, you know, when I look back at some of those things and those writings, I really, I did dig deep at that time but we would talk a lot so that was done in a kind of facilitated way a bit like the Schwartz rounds and things like that now that they're doing you know that was a big part of it but now what I'm doing is actually writing a lot more personally but having a structure to it I started at first and it was just lots of rambling and Tracy Churchill had had sort of talked about you know experimenting for a while with journaling what works for you and um, you know how Some people just like to do that huge brain dump and clear the mind. But I've started to structure mine a bit more. So I looked at, particularly burnout, I looked at your drivers. You know, do you crave significance? Are you craving certainty? You know, what happens with uncertainty? So really core kind of components to that course that made sense. You know, what was my purpose? And then things that you celebrate, you know, the wins as well. And connection to people. So I think there was lots of language then that I've built into my journaling. So I will, if it's sort of more around that kind of stress and that burnout and that professional side, I look at the burnout course again and I go through some of those structures and address it at the time now. And I go back and I was looking at it today. You know, I went back to sort of September. What did I need most then? What were my aspirations? You know, what was I hoping, you know, and looking for when I was craving that certainty? Because being a out of the workplace, you know, it was not rushing too quickly to go back to work if I wasn't ready because my health and well-being was important. But what I did do is I listened to one of the Jay Shetty on Purpose podcasts and I've talked about having time. This period of not working was the finally the moment that I had time. So time for myself, time for self-care, you know, time to reflect and then time to choose And it's, again, that's another module in the course that's about free will and choice. And I know now this is a time where I do need to stop. I do need to consider and reflect before I choose. And then I can choose wisely. So it's all those things then, well, do I choose to work and continue to volunteer with the Stroke Foundation and the M-Stroke Project? Of course, that aligns totally with my purpose and my passions. But it also brings my nursing career and my clinical career and my lived experience together that I hope I can contribute but then the important one that I have talked about a lot is when I start to feel like okay I'm not working a week but why have I been at home and I've been doing all of these things my boundaries have gone again and I'm contributing more than myself which is another part of the course so I started to realize how I have you know my heart and my passion overtake and then I start contributing more than myself 
So all of these things have made sense. So now the Jay Shetty structure to my journal is time. And those things are T is for thankful, I is for insight, M is for meditation, and E is for exercise. And I thought, that's it. That's the model that I would like for myself. So I now journal every day because it is about what am I thankful for and that gratitude. And it allows me to think about all these great things in my life that are not going, if I'm not working, I'm not doing anything useful. If I'm not working, I'm not significant. You know, it's if I'm not identifying as a nurse and nursing, then what am I doing in this world? Because that's why you go into it in the first place, because you care about people and you want to make a difference. So, yeah, those thankful and then the insightful has been about that reflection. So many insights from it might be a podcast each day or something that I learn or something that I heard or read, but also insights into myself. Oh, why am I feeling like this today? It's because the structure and the boundaries or the tools, I haven't put them into place the way that I should have done. So today wasn't the best. You know, but then you reset, which is the main thing. And then you go back tomorrow and exercise moving, you know. So in the morning, that's what Sam's taught me on the Peak Physique course. It's been a balance of everything. So how am I, you know, giving my body the right nutrition? Am I sleeping, you know, the enough hours a night? But am I resting? Am I resetting? And am I listening to my body physically? And that isn't, you know, necessarily doing me any of the Olympics, we talk about goal setting, it's actually walking on the beach for me. You know, I love to be by the ocean and the water like you. <laughs> mm. So I think, you know, but at the same time, I've now got an exercise program where it's about feeling stronger, feeling mentally positive, alert, awake and in life, because during burnout, I certainly wasn't and I didn't think myself important. And now I realise how important that physical is to my mental as well and my whole well-being and you know if I've nourished my body in a way that you know it's not overindulging you know those indulgences are great but we love to eat out have a few drinks with friends you know but you can go into then you're doing more and more of that as your pleasure and it's not a balance so it's an apple talks about this and I really it makes sense now it's the pendulum swinging so if that is swinging again I notice now and I'm more self-aware to say oh, okay, I can see if something's creeping, but the eight-week program's been great and I'm going to continue for another eight weeks. And then another, I'm not giving myself, you know, huge unachievable goals. It's actually, you know, habits and routines and rituals that have just become part of life that they're easy. So I don't feel like I'm failing. You feel like you're, you know, it's part of your life now to have a hopefully a long and healthy life so a lot of this will probably make sense to other people that they might think as they're listening this is common sense but different generations are taught differently society forms us differently our roles as mothers working mothers you know if I put that hat on or working professionals if you know you don't have a family it used to be that badge of honor and you know old school nursing you know you're 100% you're working full-time and your career and you know you're driving yourself and then you're having to do it all or you think you are and then you're a mum and where do you take a break so I think I looked at breaks in my career as when I went on maternity leave and then you know having time with your children and then returning to work and you realized each time you returned and things changed you might have to reset differently and I don't think I did do that reset particularly well So I think journaling now is a way that you actually look back and you read and it's like, oh, okay. so I probably know I was feeling that point and that point. So for me last year, I did I did just that. I repeated a behavior and I knew what I'd done at the time. And it was really hard to step away from something that I just stepped into. But my health suffered again. And I went, oh, my goodness, Nicola, if you read back, you did do exactly what you did in the past and I felt terrible at the time and I felt I let people down I had to walk away from something but that need for certainty and giving back and contributing just really drove me that and that identity I think of I want to be helping people and doing something I can't just sit at home but I wasn't just sitting at home (laughs) I was doing lots of different things so it's really good because I've learned that lesson now 
and I can see through the journaling, going back, look at it, and then writing each day. Yeah, you're learning. You're learning about yourself a bit more. (laughs) That is one of the most powerful aspects of journaling. When you commit to it long term, like you have, you start to identify patterns. Yes. And you see the same things cropping back up and you're like, why am I back here again? You know, whenever clients start working with me, I'm like, get a journal. You need a journal because I'm going to get you to journal so much. Yeah, it is. It's like that brain dump, you know, our computers run slow. We start to delete files or export them onto hard drives or whatever. Yeah. Our brains are the same. We need to dump the data, the thoughts, anything that's going on in your mind out onto paper. I've got different journals for different subjects. You know, it's him. Well, I was going to ask you that. And do you structure them? How do you do it, Elena? Will you structure it? I've got different aspects of my life I've got different journals for. Yeah, yeah. And I often write a question at the top. Just, you know, if there's something bothering me, then I just let it flow. Yeah. But I like that structure you speak about. Is that from Think Like a Monk? Well, it was, I listened to it in the On Purpose podcast with Jay Shetty, and he talked about that in just one of the podcasts he was doing. But then there was also another one. I wrote it down earlier. That's the beauty of it. It's so personal. You can do whatever you want. No one else is reading this journal. You can make it whatever you want it to be. And you know, like you've just said about having different ones for different things. I do. I journal about my burnout memoir course and still being involved with that to keep the momentum going as well. And... So I go a bit more into that journal differently to then my daily one that is part of, you know, my peak physique program with Sam. It's like it's keeping you accountable, but it's keeping you consistent. And that was really important that she's taught me about consistency because I would always drop myself and do something else before the important things of actually, you know, it's important to give time to yourself so you can be there for everyone else. Yeah. It's really interesting. I'm, as the listeners all know, I'm studying at the moment and I'm doing a counselling degree. Two units of that degree is self-development. Fantastic. We spend two whole units and it's all journaling and self-reflection. And I start my first one next semester. So I'm actually really looking forward to it because I'm like, oh, what am I going to uncover in here? Oh, that's wonderful. I'll look forward to a podcast purely on that. (laughs) Why do we not do this in nursing? You know, it's something that's so important. And I'm like, obviously, other caring professionals are doing it. Yeah, I think it's because it's, and this again is something that Apple has taught me to do. There's every module you're looking at the personal and the professional. But what happens in reflective practice, I think, in clinically and clinical supervision is, yes, you go there and it depends who's doing it with you and their technique and what model of clinical supervision. But I think actually examining things with two different lenses, because I think I've examined my professional constantly. So you would look at a workplace scenario and you might look at what you've done well, what could you do differently? What did you learn about other people, you know, your patient, whatever that would look like. But it didn't really go deep enough into the personal aspects. So it could be about, you know, anything. So that's the nice thing about the burnout course. It's made you consider the personal. So I wasn't actually working for some of the courts on the burnout and more course, but I could still relate to professional because of whether that be I was volunteering still in a health sector, whether I was going back to previous experiences and looking at what had happened in the past it really made sense of a career and a 33-year career. So because you looked at professional aspects, but you could make a separation. So it started to make more sense to me. Yeah. Just purely that model. It's interesting because, you know, we look at it at uni as we need to understand ourselves because we've all got biases and cultural beliefs. And That's right. we could be triggered by patients. Yes, not realize why we're triggered by them and why we're reacting to them the way we are so it's about having that deeper level of understanding of yourself absolutely I'm a massive advocate to get this included in undergrad curriculums for nurses 
including in undergrad programs for nurses so they have that yeah depth of understanding of themselves yeah and if not and that's a long-term goal then that's where I, I mean I never really used to listen to podcasts much I didn't make the time at all and this time that I've been off I really have learned a lot so you know nurses you know listening to your podcast and you know listening to Apple having an interview Liam whoever it is you know and then people like Kenny it's all powerful because it's knowledge and people can still go away and do it for themselves, even if an organization isn't there. That curiosity that we talk about and we're lifelong learners, we're all lifelong learners, especially if you're nurses, because every day you meet another patient, there'll be something new to learn or another member of staff. Or if you're managing a team and you're running a ward, there's something to learn about everybody on that ward. And that's a lot of contact with people. And that's where you can go deep dive into some content, I think, and give yourself the knowledge and the tools to go with the experience that you're experiencing in the workplace, you know. And peer support, I think people like you and I, I'd talk to any student of any day or any nurse anywhere if it was just they wanted a peer connection with someone to say, have you worked in this space? Or, okay, you, you and your family were in this space. What could I do differently? I think it's conversations, it's networks, it's, you know, people reaching out and having the confidence to reach out to people, you know, who are, you know, helping you know, the next generation find their way. Yeah. And it's normalizing that and knowing that it's okay to reach out and to ask for that support. I love networking. It's brilliant. Yeah. The power that it has, it's incredible. It is. And Nicola, I am going to wrap things up there. It's been absolutely wonderful <laughs> chatting to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us all so beautifully and eloquently oh I don't know about that when I listen back we can decide shall we <laughs> no you have I've just sat here listening to you I love I love your story I love the chat I'm gonna include the links to these two courses that you've spoke about in the show notes so if anyone's interested and wants to explore that further they will be there for you to have a look at okay thanks for that Elena I think yeah explore what's available out there and um, find what's right for you definitely and feel free to reach out if anyone wants to connect and um, yeah and I look forward to hearing more podcasts Elena and all the topics we've talked about today because uh, I think there's going to be some great stuff coming yeah I'm excited for the future too I really appreciate your time today oh thank you Enjoy the rest of your gap here. <laughs> I will. You're volunteering, and I'm excited to see what the next chapter holds for you. Oh, thanks, Elena. Good to be here, and thanks so much for having me. I hope your listeners enjoy it. I'm sure they'll love it. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon and in the meantime remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.